Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is Mother's Day, and I want to give you an opportunity immediately to talk about your moms in baseball. This is Jim in Beverly. So in 1956, my mother uh, and I were the only two White Sox fans living in Humboldt Park. She took me to my first night game. It was against the Red Sox and in an attempt to get me some autographs. We waited until Ted Williams came out, uh, asked him to sign my scorecard, and uh, he did to me what he did to so many people. He blew me off and, and kind of uh, <laughs> rudely. She uh, stormed up to him, put a finger in his uh, in his face, and said, you know, I just watched this whole thing. My kid was so polite. He considers you one of his heroes, and for you not to sign his card must make you the most ignorant SOB in the world. Well, fast forward to about 1988. My mom was on her deathbed, hadn't spoken a word in a year. And I mentioned the autograph incident, and when I mentioned the Ted Williams' name, my mom grabbed onto my hand, sat up, and said, big son of a it's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. You know, nothing unites a man and his mother like Ted Williams being a son of a bitch. Good morning, everybody. It is Hit and Run, the score's venerable baseball show on a Sunday morning right here on 670 The Score. Hope everyone is well. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Appreciate it. Sean Anderson is our producer, and he is uh, back at the shop manning the fort, the shop or the fort, both located within the control room of a radio station. If you didn't know, now you do. Lots to do on this show today. Was very excited about this show before any news broke yesterday. And there is news that we'll get to in a matter of moments. But was very excited about it because I think Doug Glanville is one of the more interesting media people in baseball, in the entire circles. Just a, a brilliant, thoughtful guy with a wide range of interests. And he and I always love talking music. In addition... To, uh, to baseball, and, uh, and we will a little bit today. I had a fun exchange with him on a, uh, on a baseball and music comp that we'll bring up later on, but I love talking to Doug. And um, he had Bob Costas on an episode of his podcast, Starkville, that he does with Jason Stark. That was a terrific listen that I recommend, and we'll talk about that, among other things. And also, if you didn't know, Doug, um, Doug had some interactions with Michael Jordan, which are just awesome, uh, because The Last Dance 9 and 10 is tonight, and we have not been afraid to talk about it here, and we will not be afraid again today. Kendall Gill is uh, a wonderful guy to talk to. Man, I had, a, I had a chance to do a show with Kendall, he and I, uh, on NBA All-Star Weekend, 
and it was like it was like unlocking a a room that I didn't know existed. Just the volume of stories from that man's basketball life. He has played with everyone and against everyone, and has some incredible stories. So I'm looking forward to talking to him, and we will talk about Michael and talk about the Last Dance. And um, the legacy of it, we'll see as he concludes tonight. Um, also, the great Chris Kamka, as always, for Cam Connections. Lately, he's really been tying the whole room together, like a good area rug in the Big Lebowski. That's what Chris Kamka's been doing, and we'll do that at about 11.40 or so. And uh, before that, in this hour, my friend Greg Cott, the longtime rock critic for the Chicago Tribune, co-host of Sound Opinions. If you don't know, I produced Sound Opinions for nine years and produced the two years of television that those guys did over on WTTW, and Greg is one of my favorite people to watch a baseball game with and obviously talk music, and we'll talk uh, about both with him Um, because I'm concerned, and a lot of you have expressed concern about the future of live music in this town, and uh, me and my band, Tributosaurus, have been playing since 2002. I've played shows in, in this town since 1992. This is currently the longest I've gone without singing on a stage since probably 92 or 93 and it's uh it's bizarre and i don't like it and i know a lot of you go to see music and you don't like that you can't now and who knows when we can again so we'll talk about that with greg so anyway all of that is coming and i'm thrilled about all of that but then we get this the 67 page mlb health and safety protocol document that was presented to the union on Friday night and leaked to The Athletic yesterday and then everywhere else, I think. I know at least ESPN had it, but but Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drylick were the first guys to have it. They've had so much stuff. And this document, I, I'm going to assume that most of our listeners right now are familiar with some of the broad strokes that have been mentioned with this thing, or maybe even have read the article or seen the whole thing, but but maybe some of you have not, and there's no way that all of you have poured through the whole thing. I've struggled to pour through the whole thing because I keep stopping myself going, oh my God, oh my God. This, this, <laughs> this document is bananas. It's the best way for me to say it. It is daunting. It is intimidating. It is unbelievably thorough. Crazy, crazy thorough. And it's it's insane. I, I, I know that some ball players and other people around the game, I'm sure, read this or will read this, and their immediate reaction will be, screw this. Let's just wait for a vaccine. Let's wait for a treatment. We can't do this. I'm sorry, baseball. Take a break. Take a breath. Lose your year. Move forward. But here's the thing. Are we convinced that life in 2021 is not going to look like this? You don't know when a vaccine is coming. I don't know when a vaccine is coming. I don't know when a treatment is coming. I mean, we, we will probably have a better understanding but we may be looking at a pre and post virus life on this planet and in our society where normalcy includes some of the things, if not all of the things that are in this document. So I am still very much of the mind 
to go forward and do this if the parties agree and feel safe that they can do it. Forget the money. I, I don't even want to talk uh, about the money very much today. We, I, I did a lot of that yesterday with Bruce Levine. Inside the clubhouse was, was me and Bruce putting on our, our economist hats and our negotiation hats and trying to think about that and pouring into it. And I know more about that stuff than, frankly, I ever wanted to know. I never wanted to know some of the stuff that I've learned and, and now can talk to you about chapter and verse. But this stuff, boy, there's, I worry that, that the players are going to look at this and decide they don't want to do it because I bet the owners worry too. The risk for the players is massive. And what this document shows you is that everyone knows it, that the players know it, the owners know it. And the owners are, are saying to the players, we are, are asking you, yes, to put yourself and your family in potential harm's way. And we have thought about absolutely everything to try and protect you from yourselves, from the game that you play. There's no spitting. No spitting is allowed. There's no sunflower seeds in specific areas. There's no smokeless tobacco, okay? Everyone not on the field has to wear a mask. Every player, when they're not on the field, has to wear a mask. I mean, there's a lot here. We're going to go over a lot of the details. But suffice to say that the owners know what they're asking of the players is massive. And they are not only admitting that they understand the risk, but they are showing the players that they've thought about it and they're trying to be as thorough as possible. And it is thorough. And, and I got to say... I, I appreciate that. And if I were the players, I would appreciate that. That I'm reading this like, oh man, they've thought about everything. And indeed, they have thought about everything. Um, let's talk about it a little bit here. At 670.11, if you want to get in via text. At 312-644-6767, if you want to get in that way. But some of the details... Sean, uh, Sean Anderson, our producer back at the shop in the shack, manning the fort within the control room on the wheels of steel, as I mix as many metaphors as humanly possible. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that jumped out to you and to me from this thing. Some of the details. No exchanges of lineup cards. That They'll, they'll use an app. They will, they, will, they will instead ask managers to use an app. Anytime a ball is in play and it's touched by a few people, it'll get swapped out. Not, not pitchers and catchers, I, I would assume, or else you're talking about ball swaps, kinky, that would happen, you know, hundreds of times in a game. So not, not that. But players are going to be asked to wash their hands or sanitize after every half inning or the handling of any equipment. Dugout phones are to be disinfected every time somebody makes a call to the bullpen. All right, bring somebody over. Here you go. Made a call. Uh, hey, is Jimmy ready? No? Okay, I'll call you back. Disinfect that. Okay, now is Jimmy ready? He is? Okay, bring him in. All right, good. Um, no shared Gatorade jugs. And all of this is 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 very specifically worded that players will use their own individual drink dispensers, you know? Yeah, it's the only time that disposable cups are encouraged. 
<laughs> well, this is the thing. No, no buffets, no buffet meals. I mean, you ever see the spread in the clubhouse after a game or in the dining area? None of that anymore. All meals, if you're going to provide meals, they have to be individually wrapped and packed. We are, as as a nation, we are just adding to the uh, to the junk pile with incredible amounts of to-go containers. I mean, we're doing that anyway. Me and the wife got uh, got dinner at the Frontera Grill the other night, which was wonderful. Their takeout experience. But like everything is meticulously packed in these high-end packages as these restaurants try to stay alive and afloat. And and imagine this as the as they're doing in, in the clubhouse with each meal individually packed. Uh, no spitting, no smokeless tobacco, no sunflower seeds. Any physical interactions such as high fives, fist bumps, and hugs must be avoided at club facilities. No hugs. No hugs, man. You talk about the, the, the meal idea, too. That's 1,500 meals a day for all 30 teams if, the, if there's 50 people that are tier one as they label them. What do you mean 1,500 meals? Hold on. So there's 50 Not people. Not a day. Well, it's, it's 150. 150. No, no, because there's 50, 50 players on the spring training roster and 30 yeah. teams. That's 1,500 meals a day. Oh, yeah, yeah. At least 50 times 30. I mean, that, it could be more than that a day. Yeah. Yeah, like you're going to have to provide more than one meal. And <laughs> No buffet, no communal food spreads, individually packed containers or bags in takeout form. No use of saunas, steam rooms hydrotherapy pools, cryotherapy chambers, that, that's gone. The use of indoor batting cages is discouraged when hitting outdoors is an option. Hitters are encouraged to use batting gloves. Batting practice pitchers are encouraged to wear masks. Pitchers will use a personal set of baseballs during bullpen sessions and separate balls to demonstrate pitching grips or mechanics. So different balls like to use only necessary players will be in dugouts and active players may sit in auxiliary seating areas, including adjacent in stadium seating to maximize physical distancing. Catchers are permitted to step on the grass toward the mound to give signs. Uh, if he needs to stand to relay signs to infielders, but, but guys are, are being asked to stay separate. This one, this one is a doozy. When the ball is out of play or in between pitches, fielders are encouraged to retreat several steps away from the base runner. So you can't hold guys on? I mean, are you, you going to outlaw stolen bases? Now you're getting into the actual play of the game. It, it, it just... I don't know. I don't know if it can happen. I don't know if it can happen. And also, and I like, don't like. I, I don't like that feeling, Sean. I really <clears throat> don't like the feeling of wondering whether it can happen. And also, the idea that, like, I mean, just the the way baseball goes about. If if guy if a guy's on first base, he's going to have to talk to his his first base coach, and obviously they're going to be social distance. But like, how yeah. much can you actually convey with the first baseman being right there? Yeah. No, I, 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 absolutely. There's, 
So there, there's a bunch of stuff there about on-field operations. Showering will be discouraged at club facilities. So there's a lot of things in here that are going to be discouraged as well. You know, and then you're kind of hoping that people do the right thing. Where possible, clubs will make efforts to reduce the density of individuals, discourage gatherings, and promote physical distancing. And individuals should spend as little time indoors as possible. Some of that is just the suggested protocol of how we are supposed to live our lives at this point. And there is an element of trust here that's going to be asked of the players and of all the people involved. Meetings will take place virtually when possible. If they take place in person, they should preferably be outdoors with participants sitting apart from each other and wearing face coverings when possible. It's, it's, it's amazing. The, the, the facilities will be restricted to limited groups of essential personnel. Players and other on-field personnel. These are the groups. Another group is other essential personnel who need close proximity to on-field personnel. This group includes clubhouse staff, ownership representatives, front office employees, public relations staff, and translators. Individuals who perform essential event services but do not require close contact. This group includes service providers, broadcast personnel, groundskeepers, transportation providers, up to 150 at any given time. That's the limit of that group. Law enforcement, EMTs, and ambulance drivers, and government officials. So you'll be looking at, I don't know, 300, 350 people per team, something like that. That'll be there. Maybe less for the road team. Will this work? There's no way it's going to work. I mean, even then, uh, included in this, asymptomatic asymptomatic individuals will undergo temperature checks and symptom screens at least twice daily. I mean, you're going to have to go check in on every single player, all 50 players, all managers, all personnel, twice a day. Those people are going to be migrating and and, uh, going around and, and, and testing these people each and every time, it just seems like you're just asking for this to spread between people. Well, I, I don't I don't think it's going to be possible to do this kind of thing without w- without it spreading. I it, It's just it doesn't. I mean, we could talk to any number of doctors. And I'm sure they'd all be like, uh, but this is the level of of attention to detail and and obeying the rules and restrictions that it will take to have a sport function to have society function at this point this is what it's going to take i mean we've talked about this stuff what's going on in korea where everybody enters the same door of the stadium they are playing right everybody enters the same door everybody gets tested every day for their temperature and temperatures first So all asymptomatic people, as you mentioned, Sean, being tested twice a day for their temperature. It's amazing. And and, and somebody, some business is going to have to try this. Some massive undertaking is going to have to be the one that first tries this. And baseball might be that guinea pig. Will the players accept the risks of being the guinea pigs? 
Look, I, I told you I wasn't going to bring the money in and think about the money, but here we are. The risk for the players is so massive. Everybody knows it. The owners know it. They're trying to show you and show them that they understand and that they're asking a lot. I don't think you can ask the players to take less. I don't think you can ask the players to take a cut when they're expected to do things this way. And all sides are clearly admitting the risk. Yes, there is a risk to other baseball personnel that's going to be there. But think about this. You are, you are asking the players to do all of this. Look, let's talk about it. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. And yes, Lance, I, I do think that we as a society should be trying to reduce the density of individuals. That is something we need to do in general across the board. But let's talk about this. 312-644-6767. Does this seem possible to you? Plausible to you? Should baseball be the industry that does this and tries it out? Would it be different in 2021? There's no guarantee. That's why I think that it would be better than nothing and that somebody's going to try. And if baseball's going to try, I'm game. But, man, this is it's as intense, isn't it? 670-11 is how you text and dial it up and get involved. Your interaction, not just welcome, but elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. It is Hit and Run. I'm Matt Spiegel here with you on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The economic effects are um, devastating, uh, frankly, for the clubs. Um, We're a big business, but we're a seasonal business. And um, unfortunately, uh, this crisis began at kind of the low point for us in terms of revenue. We hadn't quite started our season yet. And if we don't play a season, the losses for the owners could approach $4 billion. Rob Manfred the other night, the MLB commissioner on CNN, $4 billion the owners and that would not be evenly distributed you do the math it's like 133 million per team but baseball for a long long time has been a a structure filled with haves and have-nots and the haves the rich teams like the cubs yankees dodgers red sox giants would stand to lose a lot more than the rays the mariners the marlins teams like that Teams that do not rely on game day revenue quite as much are the ones that 
might survive a total skip or are surviving a half season skip better than others. Textures at 670.11 have been very good. Thank you. It is hit and run. I'm Matt Spiegel here with you on 670 The Score. And several pointing out that baseball would not be the first industry. Amazon is a very large organization still running operations. Yes, they are with massive safety concerns, with a lot of people upset about what they are doing to their employees, with Jeff Bezos on track to be the world's first trillionaire by 2026. And uh, yet many, many employees uh, at risk. There's that. There's other industries. I work at a power plant and during maintenance outages, well over a thousand people are on site doing a lot of what you are speaking of. And of course, um, of course, there are a lot of frontline workers out there who have been living this kind of life all the time. My sister is a nurse in New York City on the front lines wearing her, her masks and wearing everything that she has to wear, her PPE. Texter Mark in Oak Park said, there is some risk here, but I'm an ER nurse. I'm not getting paid what the players get paid for a much higher level of risk. He does not think the players need to be paid their full salaries. We'll see what happens in terms of the negotiations. But what right now what we're dealing with is this incredibly daunting, intimidating, thorough 67-page document that MLB has released and what that could mean. I want baseball, man. I really, really do. I just hope it can be done. And this is, uh, this is, quite, this is quite a moment to look at this thing and realize what life is going to be like for, for baseball and the entire industry this summer if they play. Let's go to the phone lines. 312-644-6767. Chip is in Villa Park on 670 The Score. Good morning, Chip. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Good. Hey, does that document, uh, I was asking your producer, does it cover arguments between uh, managers and umpires? Should a call on the uh, field be controversial enough that it, it warrants the beautiful, you know, the uh, uh, the time honored run out of the dugout, getting in an, an umpire's face? Are they going to ban that? Uh, it's a great question. It does not mention it specifically, but I think you'll uh, I think you'll have people. I mean, as far as I see, it does not mention it specifically, but those are going to be the people most at risk too, right? Is older umpires, older managers, and coaches. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that they, that God, man. So what do we need? We need a box, right? Yeah. Go to the on-deck circle. I am going to stand over here in the on-deck circle and yell in your direction about how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wondered if that meant that they would be using replay more and a rule and force that you'd have to abide. And, and there is no arguing. It's just here's what we got. Um, I also wondered in terms of if you have players that are afraid of the situation and because of the inherent possibilities that exist of, of catching it, decide not to participate. Are they still guaranteed their roster spot? Um, if this is done, I, I would imagine they can't force these players to come back. Um, and if so, you know, are you, is it possible that a player could be at risk of losing a spot? Should somebody brought up play perform well, that type of thing? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's a, it's a great question. Obviously, people are going to be allowed to not go play if they don't want to go play. How about, how about cancer survivors who have uh, an immune system that, um, 
that 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 is perhaps not up to not up to snuff. It has um, their immune system has been compromised because they've gone through an illness and recovered, like Anthony Rizzo and John Lester and others. Will they be willing to put themselves in here with all of this? I don't know. And in terms of whether their roster spot is guaranteed, that'll have to be in there. That'll have to be discussed. That'll have to be bargained because it's a great point. You should not lose your job because you're not willing to put yourself out there at risk. You're right. So, it, it, But then there's an element of how real world is this, right? How, how genuine are we trying to replicate what goes on in, in the in the workplaces i know workplace look if you don't want to come back you don't have to come back but this is what we are going to do and a lot of people cannot afford to not come back in baseball and professional sports it's odd because the players are the product because their replacement is not going to be as good so you want them to come back you need them to come back and for them the money is 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 great i, I would think if you don't want to come back you don't get the money but in terms of your roster spot, I don't know. All of these things we'll have to come up with. Oh, he mentioned replay. Depending on where these teams play, some of them might not be able to use their home ballpark, and they've thought about that. For instance, the Toronto Blue Jays, because of Canada's current restrictions, might have to end up playing at their spring training facility in Dunedin, Florida. So if that's the case, they don't have all the replay equipment and all the cameras set up and all the linkage to New York. So that's why it has been floated. There might be no replay. There might be no replay for this particular season. And if that's the case, then your argument question gets even more relevant. Let's go to Bob in Roselle on the score. Bob, good morning. How are you? Oh, man. I hope everybody's doing well in the family. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Uh, the concern I have isn't so much while they're playing, it's the traveling. Because it's still being reported a little bit, like in the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, some people are still getting sick from the airplanes because even though they're wearing masks, they're wiping things down, there's no guarantee. And yeah, I don't know if they've no. taken the travel aspect into this, too. They have. Um, there is a whole section on travel, which I'll, uh, I'll try and bring up right here. I know that they have asked teams... Teams should control their environments as much as possible. This is the travel section. Use a public transportation and individual private transportation is discouraged. That means Lyft and Uber. Whenever possible, teams are to fly into smaller airports. The league's desire is for airlines to assign fixed airline crews rather than rotate crews in and out. So the White Sox would have their own specific airline crew. That would make sense. And a lot of the airlines are not working, struggling, so maybe they'd be in, in line to accommodate this. While players will not be officially quarantined, members of the traveling party are not to leave the hotel unless they receive advance approval from team personnel. Oh, my God, good luck with that. It's 1030 at night. I'd like to run to the liquor store. Let me text the media relations guy first. The only people permitted to visit players' rooms are immediate family members. Good luck with that. Socializing with other family members or friends is discouraged, but not entirely prohibited. And then we will start to get into the divide between what some young and healthy people think is the right thing to do and what others 
are actually doing and following protocol and guidelines. This is that time when part of me wishes we were a nation that obeyed things with, uh, with tremendous consistently, consistency, a lot like some of the Asian nations. My goodness. All arguments, says a texture, will be done by Zoom per league protocol. That's right. As I see the manager, see Madden sitting there in the dugout in Anaheim, getting ready to go out and argue with Joe West. He's like, hang on. He's standing there in the dugout pointing at Joe. Log on. Get, get your phone out. I'm going to yell at you in a minute. Just a minute. Let me just hit my mute button here. Damn it. Hold on. Yeah, imagine how different walk-off celebrations are going to look. First of all, it will sound weird with nobody in the stands, as we have been talking about. And then you get there, no hugging, no high-fiving. Can't celebrate a good play with your teammate. You know what's going to come back, by the way, is the, uh, the Bash Brothers um, the forearm bash. It's already coming back. I've done that with a few people while wearing a mask. Hey, what's up, man? Great to see you. Boom. Yeah, it's going to be very, very strange. A lot of your texts coming in at 6711, wondering if this is uh, going to be possible. Scared. Here's a home improvement store worker here in Cook County. There's no limits to customers. We've been averaging 1,500 people a day since this started. Yesterday was over 3,000 in our store. Wow. It's wall-to-wall people exchanging merchandise. I didn't think you could do returns right now. A lot of stores, or a couple stores that I've been to, have not allowed returns. Still no infections at my store or any of them in our market. This can be done. This can be done says the texture. I would like to think that's possible. Let's take a break. At 670, the score, my friend Greg Cott is going to join us, talk about some of this as a huge baseball fan as he is, and the future of live music in this town as well. That's next, right here on Hit and Run on the score. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on the score. Welcome back into Hit and Run on 670, the score. My good friend Greg Cott joins us right now on the Alpamani Ford Hotline, Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. Greg, the longtime rock critic for the Chicago Tribune, host of Sound Opinions. I'm bringing you in with a little funkadelic, Greg, just because I, it, I know you, I, I know you love it, and I love it, and I got to ask you here. Turn this up for a second, Sean Anderson. Have you watched? Greg Cott, the High Fidelity reboot on Hulu starring Zoe Kravitz. Have you watched that, sir? Uh, I have not. You know, I, um, I just can't imagine that movie being remade by anyone, but uh, was it any good? Uh-huh. I thought it was really good. I, I yeah? don't think it, I mean, I love, I love the movie. I love the book. Um, and, you know, here's why it's, here's why it's really good. Because Questlove is the music supervisor, essentially. Okay. Yeah, that helps. So, and, and they used many of the songs that were used so beautifully in the movie. They mm-hmm. tied them in, like Stevie, Waltz, like Stevie Wonder's "I Believe When I Fall in Love with You" will be forever in a penultimate moment. It's like, and and the references, the pop culture and music references are off the charts great, just like the movie was. Uh huh. Okay. Do they uh, use "Beta Band it, Dry the Rain"? Do they use that one in the uh, big? Uh... <laughs> 
climactic it, uh, indeed sell indeed. a record scene they, in the record store yeah they, they they don't use it in that scene but they use it in another scene and you're like ah yes yeah. so there's many nods to okay. the movie in that That's in cool. that way yeah. But but they also do another scene where like I will now sell five copies of God I forget what it is I forget what she plays, but it's it's something else. So but I appreciate it. They thought about all that stuff and I and I knew you would dig it. So I, I well to... I got a little extra time I, I, I on recommend... my hands these days, Matt. So maybe this is the time to uh, to catch up on that. So <laughs> I just hey, I, I just watched this... all of Band of Brothers again. So I, I I'm looking for new programming. Go. There you go. Um, there's few people I like to uh, to watch baseball with more than you. We we always talk about trying to get to a game together, um, and usually fail to. But when we do, it's always fun. Um, I, have, I don't know if you were listening or if you've read any of this stuff about the safety protocols that baseball is planning. It is daunting. It yeah. is daunting. It's a little scary. I do you think they'll try? I think they'll try. I hope they'll try. I, I don't know. My head's spinning just listening to your program and, and thinking about all the protocol that they're going to impose. Um, you know, I mean, it's you, safety first, obviously, but uh, the need, the desire for baseball is great. Uh, if there's a way to do it in any kind of fashion that doesn't uh, impinge on people's safety and health, I think it's, uh, you know, let's go for it, man. Give it a shot. See what happens. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I, if, if, it if it can be done in a way that, um, you know, doesn't, mass 55,000 people in a stadium right now. I don't think I'm I don't think we're prepared for that at the moment, but uh, short of that, uh, if they can come up with some kind of solution where we can see baseball, it would be awesome right now. I think people would are just dying for that sort of uh live entertainment, you know? Yeah, yeah, they are. And um that that's that's not why I why I called you though. I called you for the other brand of live entertainment that people yep. are dying for um and and that's and that's live music i've got a lot of musician friends um some of whom are 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 giving in to the the anxiety and the fear that perhaps they've played their last gig yeah and that's insane to think about but what what is what are the possibilities what are what have you heard in terms of the short term first off uh, of, of the live music scene in Chicago. There's supposed to be festivals and all kinds of that stuff over the summer, small ones, big ones. And then, of course, the clubs and venue owners, a lot of whom you know very well, struggling mm-hmm. and, and frightened as they are. What have you heard about the short term, first of all? Well, the short term is dire. I mean, in the first six weeks of the shutdown, you know, 1,200 gigs were canceled and 2,000, you know, bartenders, sound engineers, bouncers, bookers, staffers. Uh, were put out of work. Uh, that's just the first six weeks. You extrapolate that across the country, you've got some pretty dire information. And uh, basically what I've heard is that everybody's shut down right now for the foreseeable future. Just about every festival has been canceled. Oddly enough, without, with the exception of Lollapalooza, which I think uh, the city and the promoters are trying to figure out a way to do that because the economic revenue is just so huge, the impact on the city is so huge, that they don't want to let that go. But I think it would be crazy to do that. I mean, they canceled Pitchfork. They canceled the Blues Festival. I mean, I can't see if the, if the concern there was the size of the event. Lollapalooza is the biggest of them all. Um, there's no way they can do that uh, under the same parameters. So, I mean, the short-term prognosis is dire. And what's concerning is that the longer this carries on, a lot of these clubs aren't going to be able to sustain themselves. They're not going to be able to pay the rent on those spaces that they have without any revenue coming in. Most of these clubs run on a month-to-month kind of basis. You know, they, they count in a few big shows each month, 
to keep the uh, themselves buoyant. And without that, for an extended period of time, um, the predictions are dire. Nine out of ten clubs that are currently open won't be able to reopen uh, once the once the virus is licked. So that that's looking bad. And I you know I think uh, long term. Um, what that does, okay, eventually those spaces are going to be occupied by something. It may not be the current club owner, but there is a space for a club there. Does that leave the door open for a big corporation like a live nation or an AEG to step in there and, um, and basically completely monopolize what's left of the concert industry? Wow. Well, that, yeah. that, that's, that's interesting. That, that's a path I had not considered, but that's something you've been covering for a long time is, is, is the efforts of, of big businesses like that to really drown out and buy out the little guy. And here, of course, is that opportunity as we're seeing across a bunch of different industries. Uh, but let's go backwards for a minute. Nine out of 10 venues might not yeah. be able to reopen. Yeah, this this is what the uh, the National Independent Venue Association is saying. This is a this is a new organization of 1,600 clubs from all 50 states. Uh, it started here in Chicago with this organization called Civil, which was 20 of the biggest clubs in Chicago, kind of bonding together. You know, places like the Hideout and Metro, Empty Bottle, and uh, now they've taken it nationwide. It's now 1,600 members across 50 states. And they're looking at the numbers. They're looking at the prognosis. They're looking at the, uh, you know, what's the earliest possible date we could reopen. Uh, the economics are not good. As I said, any extended shutdown of a lot of these clubs means they're 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 over. I mean, they they can't afford uh, to stay in business. They're basically going into bankruptcy or have to sell out, and uh, you know, not reopen. So nine out of ten are on the uh, on the hook right now. That's what they're saying. If if this does not occur soon. So what they're asking for is a federal handout, and I can just see Mitch McConnell um, being incredibly empathetic to the you know, music clubs uh, reopening and, and wanting to give them federal money. So it's a long shot. Uh, I think their their cause is good. I think one of the reasons we're alive is to, to, to enjoy culture and go out and see shows, frankly. Um, I think one of the things that make wants, why people want to move to a city like Chicago is because of the live music scene. So you take that... Um, you take that cultural attraction out, you take that economic engine out, you've lost a lot of the character of the city. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the government interacts with these clubs. Now, government intervention is not an ideal solution, uh, but you know, short of that, I don't know what is going to help these clubs if they can't uh, open in some fashion. Hmm. Um, Greg, there's there's so much live streaming going on. For the for the most part, what I have seen and noticed in terms of of live streaming of live music, it's almost unilaterally one person from their home, um, unless it's a couple like Jason Isbell and his wife, um, or something like that. And people are already together. Or I saw, I believe, the Indigo Girls were quarantined together, and they were doing some some stuff. But it's I've yet to see a band all being together live streaming from from a location other than a home. Has this existed yet? Have you seen this yet? I know there are companies that are ready for it, but have you seen a full band together like at a venue and live streaming? Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Um, You know, I think this is still in its infancy in terms of, you know, bands figuring out what the best way to do it, how to present it, how to how to up the production values rather than just some guy sitting in his living room strumming a guitar, you know. Um, you know, there are ways to do this in a in a much more 
advanced fashion. The technology is there, and that's probably you know the next avenue for a lot of these bands is to figure out a way to a stage these in kind of a professional or semi-professional way that looks like a real concert, and then b figure out a way to monetize it. Um, you know, I think it's one thing to say, hey, you know, you get a live stream of Wilco doing something in their living room. You know, Jeff Tweedy and his and his kids. Uh, is one thing, and another thing to see a Wilco concert at a, a really nice concert hall with, that has nobody in it except the people who are who are viewing it on the stream. Um, so you know that that could potentially be the next step. That could be where a lot of the energy and the money goes in terms of figuring out what the interim step is between a full opening and and complete uh, shutdown. But I haven't seen that yet, Matt, and I think that's going to be coming. You know, as this pro- drags on. Uh, you could see that coming in the next six months. Yeah, right. Because something like that will have to come. And, and, and I was reading about this company, Nugs.net. Um, and Nugs.net has been doing a lot of streaming. They say they have cameras and equipment installed at eight major venues in the U.S., mm-hmm. including including the Fillmore in San Francisco, that could be activated with the flip of a switch. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems like a lot of families are choosing to slowly expand their circles, um, and that's going to be happening. So a band is a family. At some point, if, if, if people are willing to take the personal risk and expand, maybe some people can get back to work uh, on yeah. that level. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think uh, people are going to have to think creatively like that in order to figure out an interim step. And I think it, what's exciting is that there are some possibilities here that wouldn't have been thought about or considered in the past and maybe something new and exciting will emerge from this. You know, we really don't know what that is. You know, uh, another thought that was broached, uh, Chris Jones wrote an interesting column this morning in the Chicago Tribune of the Tribs uh, theater critic talking about the idea of, well, maybe outdoor shows are the way to go on this. Not, not on a scale of a, a Lollapalooza, but on a, a smaller scale outdoor show might actually be uh, the safest way to go rather than packing 150 people into a club. Um, you know, 150 people spread out on a lawn, you know, um, maybe is a more doable way of presenting something in a, in a live scenario uh, without endangering people. Um, and, you know, he just sort of threw that out there. So sort of a smaller scale outdoor season rather than, you know, big scale festivals as an alternative to uh, what's, what's going on now. You know, and, and it is a moment for innovation, um, obviously, and, and in all industries, um, people are doing it. We see restaurants struggling and adjusting and doing whatever they can. By the way, it's hit and run on 670 to score. Doug Glanville at the top of the hour for, for baseball and Michael Jordan and much more. But a momentary break here with Greg Cott to talk some, some rock and roll and some live music. I Technologically... It's just impossible for me to be on a Zoom call or on a FaceTime call with one of my friends and have them play and me sing and have mm-hmm. the timing, timing work out. The latency issues just don't work. Somebody's got to be feverishly, probably thousands of people are feverishly working on bettering that technology so it can be, it can be possible. Somebody's got to be doing that. As we speak. Yeah, you know, I was surprised they had that uh, virtual concert. Hello, Greg? Okay, we lost Greg. He was talking about a virtual concert. I'm not sure who he was talking about. But some people are texting in talking about Post Malone, how they did something um, covering Nirvana, and it was four different musicians mixed in four different places. 
Um, but, uh, that, that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta be something they put together in post-production. It's just, I, I've tried it with a lot of different things and different band members, and it's just too difficult to do. Another texture says that the Grand Ole Opry is doing live audience free broadcasting. All right. So yeah, I mean, that, that kind, that kind of thing is what we're going to be talking about. Greg, you dropped for a minute. You were talking about a virtual concert. Um, yeah, they had that, that uh, virtual concert, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago, and I was surprised at how uh, integrated the the uh, instrumentation seemed. You know, the four, three or four performers from different locations um, able to pull off something like that and sound in in tune and um, you know uh, in real time, uh, giving a fairly credible performance. Um, so obviously, well, if you want to sure do it, there's there's a way we, to do it. Are, are we sure that wasn't put together in post-production, even and just made to look live? Are we positive about that? I, I thought that you know that was a that was a live event. That's the way it was built, and um, you know, um, of course, they, they 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 tell you it's live, and then you realize, well, Whitney Houston actually lip-synced that uh, Star Spangled Banner at the uh, at the Super Bowl. You know, oh, okay, that was a that was a recording that we heard instead. Uh, it's quite possible. Um, but you know, it's interesting that you know, like you said, I think the technology is probably, probably there. Uh, it just hasn't been really utilized to its fullest yet, and uh, there may be a way to do that that uh, that could lend some excitement to it. I do have to say, as much as I appreciate zooming and virtual, et cetera, it's not the same as being in the same room. I mean, that seems obvious, right? But um, it's it's it is not the same visceral feeling you know and i think the problem that i would see with that is that after the first few times the novelty sort of wears off and then you kind of realize well we're kind of in these you know we're we're kind of remote still it, it doesn't feel quite like the same thing it's that in between land between a recording and a live event and it isn't quite either it doesn't have the fidelity of the recording or the physicality and the realness and the imp and the live impact of a of a concert so um you know they're going to have to figure that one out to figure out a, a third third rail, so to speak, of how to how to present this music in that sort of a setting. Now, as you know, as you know, Greg, there is nothing like the connectivity in a room with live music and the energy that is shared on the stage and with the crowd and back in that loop. And I know you're addicted to it. It's it's what yeah, your whole life has I, you been. know, I I haven't heard anybody say, "Man, that stream blew me away." You know, it's like you know, seeing Fugazi from ten feet away that blew me away. You know, that that's. <laughs> Feeling that sweat and that and you know the sweat and the and the you know the the beer and the you know just the bodies on top of bodies is kind of part of the thrill of that event. You know, just being the nearness of it is is what yep. what, what, what 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 we crave and what we're missing right now and can't have. Agreed. Uh, and I hope we get it back eventually. Greg, thanks for the time, man. I appreciate you and best to your family. All right, stay healthy. Same to you, Matt. Stay well. Okay, you got it, Greg Cott. Longtime rock critic for the Chicago Tribune and um, co-host of Sound Opinions. Doug Glanville is next to talk baseball, these safety protocols, fanlessness, pick up games with Jordan and Sam Cooke. You'll understand more when we come back on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.